do is um, present meditation instructions in terms of the development of those capacities of heart that are in fact the point of mindfulness practice. Um, I think a lot these days about uh, toward what end are we doing what we're doing. Um, Intention is tremendously important to me. One of my teachers, I think it was Joseph Goldstein, who said, everything hangs on the point of intention. I think it does. Um, I could, I could think about it two ways. I could think, I believe both of these, by the way, if I were on a debating team, I would be happy with either side of this debate. If they said, you be on the side that everything depends on intention, that meditation itself is um, value neutral, and uh, that uh, uh, in order for the meditation to uh, have as its fruition uh, kindness and compassion, openness of heart, dedication to the well-being of all beings, you have to have that as your beginning intention, otherwise it might be just self-serving, otherwise you might use it for some not good end. That in order for it to be successful, it has to mirror the Eightfold Path, it has to begin with some element of right understanding, it has to have right aspiration, it has to be in a context of right speech, right livelihood, and right action in order for the practice of right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration, which are the uh, inner contemplative exercises of practice, aspects of practice, in order for them, for the whole practice to come to fruition, you have to start with right aspiration, right understanding, which would be intention. Everything depends on intention. I could certainly defend that point of view. And I could give reasons on both sides. I could even talk about how not having the right intention could maybe have a person's meditation practice end up in a way that wasn't for the benefit of all beings, maybe actually for their non-benefit. On the other hand, if someone said, you have to be on the other side of the debate society. You have to be on the side that says, um, if you just opened your eyes, or close them, as as the case may be. If you just looked around and had the practice of focusing your attention and uh, calming your mind, focusing the attention, and just seeing what's true, you would, in fact, see so clearly the, the degree of suffering that exists in your own heart and mind, the degree of suffering in the hearts and minds of everyone, the way in which unrecognized suffering clouds minds, everybody's minds, and leads to the kinds of behavior that causes the world to be suffering and nations to be suffering (coughs) between them and the planet to be dying, you would be so heartbroken you just opened your eyes and looked that you could not help but come to the place of kindness and compassion. You don't need to start with intention. 
even as I tell you those two points of view now, I'm not sure which one I would have more passion behind. <laughs> Are you? Would you take side A or side B? Everything hangs on intention, or you could just sit down. <laughs> uh, well, let's leave it up then. Maybe we'll try it sometime. Maybe we'll actually have a little... We'll have a, 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 a debate society or something. Um, do you know, it's a very venerable uh, spiritual um, technique, debating. We don't do it so much in this lineage, but the Tibetans do it wonderfully well. In fact, I've only seen them from afar doing it. So I haven't, I've seen them on the rooftop of a monastery from a place I was staying in Dharamsala, so I actually didn't hear what they were saying, but you can see people debating with passion, walking up and down and making their point. It's very exciting. It's like seeing a movie without sound and you make up what you think you're missing. What I want to go back to and what I want for us to do as a, a meditation practice this morning, at least start from, I want to start from the place of saying, intention or not, what I believe, what for me is the goal of practice with intention is um, the refinement of the qualities of the heart that I think we are born with but um, get to develop and practice and refine. I've, uh, in the last year or so, uh, tried to stay away from saying the transformation of the heart because I think to myself, transform it from what to what, you know? We, we have the same heart. We're born with a heart that can really love wholeheartedly and forgive tremendously and is when it isn't frightened and confused and contracted, generous and compassionate the quality of rejoicing for the good fortune of other people. So transform it from what to what. I think it's become more like uh, what we could be, or more like what we actually are and have forgotten, is what I think. Uh, I think it's more becoming in touch with our true nature and living out of that place. If we've somehow wandered off and gotten confused, so I'm more like coming home than getting any place. I think about someone who's, uh, uh, you can get a little bit lost in the woods and not be actually very far lost in the woods, but be going around in circles so that you're quite near where you need to be, but you feel nevertheless completely lost. And, uh, I've been thinking about uh, the word bewildered um, recently. Mm -hmm. I think a lot about wandering in the wilderness and um, the metaphor of wandering in the wilderness until we come to the promised land and that the wilderness doesn't have to be that far from the promised land but if you don't see where you're going you could wander around in circles in a wilderness and not find yourself back home. So I'm particularly interested in the qualities of the heart, uh, the paramitas, the perfections of the heart that are part of the Pali Canon that begin with generosity, and generosity and 
morality, renunciation. Go through the whole list. Patience, determination, truthfulness, energy, wise reflection, loving kindness. Equanimity, I don't know if I left out one. I didn't count. Hmm? Compassion isn't one of them. Compassion is uh, the, uh, uh, really the, uh, uh, the full fruition of the uh, paramita of equanimity. That when uh, the heart and mind are equanimous enough and open enough and able to see with full understanding the truth of karma, really to understand the fact that things cannot be other than what they are, that particular, um, whatever is happening, is everyone's merit and everyone's um, has been caused by everyone and everything. Um, that uh, no one has the merit for it or the blame for it, then we can be totally forgiving and uh, of people and of our lives and uh, recognizing how uh, the suffering that's involved in all of that continuing recreation of uh, experience. What you get for all of uh, creation is tremendous compassion. It's really, if you had a chart that started here at generosity, generosity, morality, renunciation, and came all the way down to uh, loving kindness and equanimity, uh, and uh, had the steps in the um, elaboration of the development of generosity, what helps it develop, what supports its development, what's actually its full fruition. Came all the way down the chart. It would start in this corner, in the left top corner with generosity, and it would end at the right bottom corner at compassion. So I thought what we might do this morning is um, do a meditation that uh, was a reflection of each of those heart movements. You think about generosity, you think about giving something away. I have some bags of things in the trunk of my car that I will pass by and give away this afternoon. But there's a, in the awareness that I don't need them and someone else does. You know, both have to be present. I could just have the awareness that I don't need them. They could just hang around forever in my house. Sometimes that happens a bit longer than I'd like it to happen. Um, but that I don't need them and someone else does needs to be present for, for them to be in my car and for me to have the intention to drop them this afternoon. But what really needs to be present for, the, for some action of relinquishing to happen uh, is the sense of you can give something away, sense of not needing this. So I'd like to practice in our meditation for a little bit, if we can, a sense of not needing. I'd like to see if we can do that.
through all of those parameters. So it's an experiment for me and for you. So uh, if you want to do the experiment with me, I'd like for you to uh, make yourself comfortable, close your eyes. If you like, close your eyes. In the first minutes that you close your eyes, you'll discover that um, probably that with eyes closed, you feel your body more. That always happens just by um, eliminating one area of uh, sense input, one of the sense doors. Others are more available, present themselves more fully. Part of my own practice is I always like to smile. You'll notice your body will relax if you do that. It's a way of um, remembering that um, practice is not grim. This is the path of happiness. Peace is possible. Developing the capacities of the heart to um, refining them, not transforming the heart, just refining the quality. It's not only the great possibility for a human life, it's really the source of happiness. In classical Paramita texts, it uh, often says the characteristic of all of these Paramitas is that they are for the benefit of all beings, for the benefit of others. They are also for the benefit of us. They are the cause of happiness. Feeling generous, which involves feeling not needy, is the best of freedoms. Feeling I don't need anything. My cup is sufficient. It is brimming. I have everything I need. When we feel that, in the many ways that we can feel it, I don't need anything else to make me happy. This moment is sufficient (laughs) unto itself. There's a tremendous peace in the heart. As you sit, maybe we'll sit five minutes, this reflection. As you sit, see if you can let your attention rest exclusively with the sense of the breath coming in and out of your body. You can feel it wherever you feel it, at your nostrils or at your chest or in your 
abdomen, you might feel your whole body, somewhat like a balloon, filling up with breath as breath comes into it, and then easing back down as the breath goes out of it, in whatever way the sense of the breath presents itself to you. See if you can let your attention rest quite exclusively with that. You would be doing it with the intention of uh, giving your mind the gift of a five-minute sabbatical, like a Sabbath. A Sabbath of the mind, there's no need to work, don't need to do anything. Breathing happens all by itself. And awareness happens all by itself. Nothing has to get done. No one has to do anything. The giving away could be this. Give away any thought that arises that might captivate your attention or distract your attention. Give it away in the awareness that you don't need it right now. It can be the most intriguing thought in the whole world. You don't need it. You'll think it later. If you need to. You don't need it now. You can let it go. It's important. It will come back. And give it away. So we'll sit for a little bit. mindfulness of the the body and the breath in the body. There's the instruction um, or the line that says, taking a long breath, the practitioner realizes I'm taking a long breath in and letting a long breath out has the realization I'm letting a long breath out. Breathing in, I calm my body. Breathing out, I calm my body. And um, 
one interpretation of that line in the sutta would be that uh, one kind of breath meditation would be in addition to just sitting and being aware of the breath as it of its own nature arises and passes away we could also work with the breath in a particular way if we wanted to cultivate a certain result so that we could take a long breath in intentionally or let the breath out intentionally a wee bit more slowly or fully than might be the natural rhythm of the body breathing out a long breath I calm my body the habit of mind that's um, associated with the practice of morality is the habit of composing the mind when the mind is composed generally has enough element of calm in it to um, allow for reflection before any impulsive behavior happens also has enough comfort in it, a composed mind itself somewhat contented in the composure is less likely to need some impulsive gratification and less likely to do an unskillful behavior on behalf of gaining that gratification so I'd like to think that taking a long breath in and letting a long breath out intentionally just a little bit of a long breath not an uncomfortable one has the effect of composing my mind for all of us it has the effect of composing the mind so I'd like to suggest as the mind cognates for the life development of restraint before impulsive behavior that element of composure can get intensified might be developed by taking some long breaths in and out so in the next two or three minutes Perhaps you might like to take some longer breaths in and out. You might think to yourself, by taking this long breath in, I'm composing myself, my mind and my body. Just a little bit longer in and a little bit slower out.
And I think about that line from the Satipatthana Sutta. Taking a long breath in, the practitioner realizes, I'm taking a long breath in. And letting a long breath out, my body is calm. If you continue to sit a little more, you might include in your awareness the the understanding that uh, the practice of renunciation, the paramita, the perfection of renunciation, reflects itself in the habit of restraint, of being able to have an impulse arise and not act on it. One of the great um, capacities of human beings is that we have the ability to feel like doing things and not do them. But the impulse can arise, the intention can arise for an action to happen. And we can decide with wise reflection that it won't be for our benefit or for the benefit of others and not do it. The habit of restraint, I think, is easier for some people than others. I think it's temperamentally um, different in each of us. I think the mind practice for restraint (coughs) would be, again, the practice of deciding on a single focus and keeping the attention right there. So you might, as you sit, let the breath return quite to normal, not particularly long, let the breath arise and pass away just by itself. And see if for the next several minutes, can keep your attention just in the coming and the going of the breath, perhaps in a particular aspect of the breath, just the belly breath, just the breath in the chest, just the breath at the nostrils. Feel the impulse arise in the mind for the attention to move someplace else, it 
very likely will, to move to another part of the body, to attend to thoughts or feelings, keeping the attention fixed at whatever focus of object of awareness you have selected. Restraining it from arising somewhere else would be the mind equivalent of saying, just don't go there. For three minutes, just don't go there.
if as he sat for these few minutes, when during the time that you sat for these three minutes, and indeed in these minutes before then, in those moments when you really felt, I can do this. This is okay. This is a feasible thing. This is manageable. It arises, I think, it does in me, I think in you, feeling of hopefulness. Not only that this is a feasible thing to do, but the mind and the heart can learn to pay attention in this way, but actually learn to pay attention in this way and um, enjoy the fruits of paying attention really come to rest for long or for short in awareness, in understanding, in happiness, in contentment. When that happens, there's such a burst of um, energy, kind of energy that says, yes, I really want to do this. get renewed in our enthusiasm for practice. Reflects itself sometimes in a sense of striving, in the best sense of it. Might be a sense sometimes that striving is painful. I think striving is wonderful. Just connecting with the sense that there's something worth striving for. So maybe you feel it in your whole body, especially if the mind is a little bit composed and a little bit focused. Feel your whole body. See how your whole body feels. You acknowledge to yourself, I really, really want this. You feel a striving in your whole body. Let's use these next three minutes for awareness of breath in the body and the body. Every bit of body sensation with every bit of body sensation. Let every bit of body sensation be the confirmation for you of how much you like that energy, the strength, really. for the journey of refinement, the journey of return, really. Maybe if there were a prayer for this paramita, it would be, may I make it back home.
again. Because we do, again and again. And wander off and come back. Let's have two minutes of, with my whole body, may I make it back home again. Paramita of wisdom or wise reflection. I like wise reflection as a statement. Wisdom sounds more like something that we already have. And sometimes we do, and sometimes the mind is clouded, and wisdom isn't so available to us. Wisdom as a noun is, uh, (coughs) in this case, uh, what's more useful for me is wise reflection as a capacity. And the verb that goes with wise reflection, in addition to reflection, would be discernment, discerning. To be able to really know what's really, really happening. Sometimes when I'm uh, teaching retreats particularly, or when I'm practicing on retreat, or when I'm not practicing on retreat, I'm with myself and needing to make sure I'm awake 
the instruction that I'll give for myself, to myself, is what's happening? I'll say to myself, what's happening? What's happening could be my breath is coming in and out, or my body feels this way or that, or my mind feels this way or that, or my mind is filled with this mood, or this mood is was in my mind and now it isn't. This thought is present, that one isn't. Or liking or not liking, or present or not present. What's going on? What's happening? With the fullest range of all of your perceptual apparatus, the sixth sense stores, five sense doors of feeling, seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, and thinking, mind. Six sense doors. You could say to yourself in these few minutes, what's happening? What's going on? Maybe even especially what's true about what's happening coming and going. Perhaps in this particular, for this particular paramita, you might most, you might find most useful the instruction of um, mental noting, of labeling, of saying to yourself, this is happening and this and this and this and this.
I think it's wonderful that patience is next. Of course, it would be wonderful if anything were next, because they're all wonderful. There could be a reason why whatever one is next is wonderful. And they actually all are next, always. But particularly, I think, um, when we begin um, explicitly to work with mental noting and labeling, And sometimes the sense I can't do it all fast enough. How can I see it all? What should I label first? A little bit of sense of urgency of, uh uh-oh. So it's nice to settle back into, there's no hurry. Everything arrives in its own time, with its own timetable. We can practice patience just with the breath, letting it be, its own normal rhythm of breathing. Perhaps in this particular way, by this time it's likely you don't do anything with the breath that's volitional in the way of prolonging it, inhaling or exhaling, if you leave it alone, you'll likely discover that there's a space in the breath, in the breathing cycle, where breath is not evident coming in or going out. At the end of an out-breath, you breathe out, and body just rests for a while. And then when it gets ready, It does whatever it needs to do for breath to come in again. You don't need to do anything. It just breathes by itself. Even when we say, I'm taking a breath in, it's really just breath happening when it needs to, when it's ready to. Nobody who does it. So particularly at the end of an out-breath, see if there can be particular awareness around that space of the breath out, waiting, 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 and then the breath of rising, and no sense of pulling to start that next breath. No sense of leaning forward into the next breath. Just a sense of resting, the alert attention waiting. Breath arises, passes away, and waiting. That could be the sense of patience of awareness that things arise and pass away according to the conditions. The necessary and sufficient conditions for the arising of something, 
are in place. We can just be the experience and the knowing of it. The quality of uh, determination, which has the um, manifest as uh, the capacity to endure, based very much, I think, on an understanding of how badly, how much we understand the truth of suffering and how badly we really want to experience, how much, better word, how much we want to experience the end of suffering. Enduring seems to me so much the ability to be with something in an ongoing way without gritting the teeth. Enduring, the kind of enduring that comes from knowing. Just as the breath will arrive in its time, everything will arrive in its time, and end in its time. Maybe it relies, the quality of the ability to endure uh, really rests on understanding that last final um, teaching of the Buddha. The Mahaparanibbana Sutta, just before he died. The two last things that he said to have said were Everything that arises passes away. Sometimes it's uh, quoted as the transients are all conditioned things. And then the thing that he said right after that, presumably his last words, 
We'll strive on with diligence. Just do it. And it has such a sense of uh, determination in that for me. That we can go on with diligence. Because we know that everything will end for these next minutes. Just as we watched the inevitable arising of breath, let's let the attention rest on the passings away of the breath. Either the passing away of the in-breath or the passing away of the out-breath, or both. I think about truthfulness. I think about transparency. I think about the quality of uh, being honest in one's life. I think we probably all are as much as we can as much as we know. For myself, what I hope I am more and more able to do is to not have parts of my experience that I need to hide from, that I then hide from everyone else. I'd like to have the sense about myself of transparency so that I could be present and not be hidden and not have anything hidden from me. When I practice that sitting as a meditation, I think that to myself. Suppose I were transparent. Suppose I had no boundaries at all. And everything that arose or passed away, breaths or feelings or thoughts or moods, 
or sound. In me and around me, all could be arising and passing away through me. with no barriers at all. Let's spend two minutes practicing transparency. I think perhaps it's out of that place of transparency and openness that the perfection of loving-kindness, which has the quality of welcoming, most naturally arises. Really the practice of loving-kindness is that of open-heartedness, of welcoming. Not resisting whatever or whoever arrives in whatever form. practice of well-wishing that comes out of the feeling of well-feeling. With no need to hide, no rush, 
to be any place else. No need to have anything else. No need to be ashamed. No need. No need at all. We can be ultimately loving. I think that place of um, openness and transparency, not hiding, awake and aware, allows for that equanimity. That rests in tremendous understanding Things are what they are. Everyone is who they are. Not because of themselves, but in spite of themselves. what I understand as the fullest understanding of karma. This moment can't be different. Not any of us, ever, could be different or other in that moment. And everything can change. From that place of knowing that things are what they are because of everything forever since the beginning of creation, with no one responsible, everything responsible, 
And with the full awareness of how much pain there is in the world. Pain that comes from ignorance. The full understanding that it could be other. From that place really of awakeness, understanding, broken-heartedness, in the best kind of way, what we get left with is compassion. If we practice this way, it's a gift for ourselves, for our own suffering, an act of kindness, to cultivate in ourselves the ability to the ability to rest in the moment, patient, awake. Looking with the eyes wide open, hopeful. And it's a gift for all beings. It can't not be. May all beings everywhere come to the end of suffering. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be happy. <laughs>